Well, just a little uh, setup here. Uh, we are doing a sermon series, New Year, Same Promises. Last Sunday, we talked about God's promise of faithfulness. Before that, it was God's promise of a new identity um, and belonging with our baptism. And today, it is the promise of purpose. The promise of purpose. I cannot help but believe that you as am I have a purpose in this life and in this world. I don't believe for one minute that you're coming here Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year is just out of habit. Or that you tune in to watch online or, or listen to our sermon podcast by accident or happenstance. I believe that you want something holy to happen in our world, in this community, in your family, and maybe even in you. I believe that deep down you sense, as I do, that we were made for more. And that you want to see more for others, especially those who have so little or not enough. Don't you feel that when the scriptures are read? Don't you feel that in times of prayer? Don't you feel a stirring in your soul, a, a tugging at your heart to make a difference, a desire to be different so that God's kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven? I believe that you are here because you have heard the call of God in your life and feel called to be a part of something, something significant, something amazing, something transformational. I know that some of us are called to fulfill specialized ministries. I know that some of us are called, set apart, to be pastors and teachers. But that doesn't mean that you as lay people, as individual members, are not called also. I am reminded of what Steve Harvey said several years ago when he chose to answer a call. Steve Harvey said, your career is what you are paid for, and your calling is what you are made for. Perhaps that is what explains the radical response of Peter, Andrew, James, and John to Jesus' call to follow him. I cannot help but think that they, they knew the word of God. I can't help but think that, that Daddy Zebedee must have taught his boys the love of God, that they knew to recite prayers, that the, that the word of God, that the word of Moses and the Pentateuch was deep down in them, that they knew the word of God. And in Jesus' call, they sensed something of the power and presence of God as well as the urgency of the gospel, and, and it was their desire to be light and salt that they wanted to see transformation happen. Maybe what they experienced in Jesus' call was something more that had been missing in their lives, that, that something more that they were made for was surely rooted in their faith, in their understanding of, of who God is and, and how God operates in the world and, and what God wants and seeks for the world. And so they left. 
They, 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 they left everything and they did it immediately. There was no hesitation, no hemming and hawing, no debating or discussing. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. And they said, we are following you. They, they left the security. Go back and read that psalm that talks about security and safety. But they left the security of their businesses. They had a job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They had a job. They left the security of their family, their social standing. They left all they had known to follow Jesus. And let's be honest. Security or some kind of guarantee is what we all want in life, isn't it? It's what we're taught to seek and to have is security. Child, you better not leave your good job. Really? You've heard that, haven't you? And we feel this way even when it comes to ministry. We want security. We, we want to know that it's all going to work out right. But make no mistake about it. Recognizing and acting upon that for which we were made means that something, a whole lot of something will have to change, will have to change in us and in those around us. They left their daddy. Can you imagine what their daddy must have felt like? Where are you going? They left. I have a sister colleague on with her it took her daddy a while to accept women preachers. Till the day she died, my great aunt was still like, mm -mm, okay, I'm preaching all over the place. When you accept the calling, when you accept to go where God says go and do what God says do, it not only affects you, it affects those around you. I mean, they left the familiar all that they had ever known to enter into a wholly unknown future entirely at the mercy of God and for the sake of the call. All they had was Jesus. All they had was the Lord. They had no idea where they would go, what they would do, and what would be asked of them. But they did know that Jesus was calling them. Jesus called them to be his disciples. And that's something amazing, isn't it? That's something amazing to be called, to be called by Jesus, to be one of his disciples. To be one of his disciples in this world. So they go. They go trusting the one who called them and in the faith that they believed in, they had believed in God, that, that God was send the Messiah. They believed, so they went. And get this, Jesus doesn't promise them that everything, that in following him, everything will go their way. That what he's inviting them to be and do will be easy. He doesn't say that, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Um, you know, you, it's all going to be good. Everything will work out perfectly. Even as we plan or pray, everything's going to be just hunky-dory. Jesus doesn't promise him that. What Jesus promises them is that I will make you fish for people. What? Come on, what, Jesus? what, what does that mean, Jesus? I mean, they knew well what it meant to fish for a fish because they were fishermen, so they understood what they were catching. 
But y'all, they could not have possibly have known what Jesus meant. They couldn't have known what he meant, not at that time. And yet they followed because that call connected to something deep within them. And in Jesus' command to follow, they felt called to be more. More than what they had been, more than what they were, more than what they had ever imagined could be. That's why they followed. Jesus' invitation for those who would follow is an invitation to accompany him, to learn from him and of him, to imitate him, to be loyal to him, to abide in him, to go where he says go. When we follow Jesus, he will show us the path to reconciliation with God, but know that the call also comes with the same promise that went to the disciples before us. If we entrust ourselves to Jesus, Jesus then entrusts us with the holy work, the holy work of building the beloved community, the holy work of building the sacred community that gathers in his name, empowering and equipping us. That's what Jesus does to share the good news with all people. To go out into the world so that people will know that the kingdom of heaven has come near. That God is with and for them. But sometimes it just seems that so many Christians, so many of us, have said no thank you to the promise. We say we want to be a disciple, but we don't want to <coughs> receive the promise. Choosing instead to stay by the lakeshore, that there's a song in the United Methodist hymnal I love, and it says, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You have, you're smiling, you have called my name, now my boat's left on the shoreline behind you, by your side, I will seek other seas. Got to leave our boats by the lakeshore. Too many of us want to hold on to the familiar rather than the more that God wants for us and for the world. We can't always do what we want and do what God wills. I get it though, I know, I know. It can be a challenge. Sometimes it can be downright scary to do what Jesus calls us to do. It just really can. From my own call, I used to tell people, I used to tell God, I said, look, God, I don't need a burning bush. I just wanted a smoking shrub, okay? Just, just a little something that said, walk this way, you know? Sensing the call on my life for years, and I'm like, I ain't trying to try. I had a good job, amen. You know how people say a good job. I ain't gonna mess up my good job. I was a tenured professor. In line to get an endowed chair before I was 40 years old. That's a what? Y'all know what tenured means? That means that if I was tenured and you were faculty and you were not. If the economy went down, I stayed and you left. Amen. Meant that I got to do research. I just, yeah. I had to leave my house. What was going to happen? All on the mercy 
I just had to trust God. I had to trust God in the hotel room going, I was just, I was just, no, that wasn't easy. Did I doubt? Lots of times. <laughs> Lots of times. Doubt don't mean I ain't no disciple. Doubt just means I'm human. But I just kept following. Just kept going. So yes, it can be scary to do what Jesus has called us to do, to reach out to others in the name of Christ. I know they might, you might reach out to them and they might slap your hand. We cannot help but feel inadequate and uncertain about what we're called to do. We worry about the cost of discipleship and whether or not we will be successful when all Christ asks for us is to be faithful. Jesus didn't tell you to be successful. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to be successful. It says just be faithful. Just keep following. Just be obedient. Just be willing to do God's will. God will create the success. God is the God of the harvest, not us. We're just supposed to be laborers in the vineyard. God is the God of the harvest. Just follow. And we follow all the while remembering who and whose we are. We are disciples. We are followers. And, and to know that Christ goes with us and goes before us. Already preparing for our good. And for our good work in his name. And considering how Jesus sought to turn catchers of fish into catchers of people, commentator Catherine Pesci recounts an incident when she and some others, they were standing and they saw a man fall out of a tree and he hit the sidewalk. He broke several bones. And everyone who watched it, they couldn't do anything. All they could do was watch him fall. All who saw what happened wished they had had something to catch him. Something that would, would break his fall so that he would be okay. A net so that he wouldn't crash to the ground. And she noted that those fishermen turned disciples, but it dawned on her that they didn't fish with hooks, right? You know, we fish with hooks. We get a hook and we put some bait on it, right? And we got to hook that fish, right? We wheel them in. But Peter, Andrew, James, and John fished with nets, no hooks. No baiting, no tricking of the fish. And they didn't fish as individuals. Most of us fish now individually. I got my pole, you got your pole. Everybody, all God's children got a pole. If I catch a fish, you, ain't, you don't get one. That's on you, right? We fish individually, but they fish communally, collaboratively. Collectively, because those nets were heavy. They'd have to throw the nets out. They even had to mend the nets. There was no tricking. There was just the netting of fish. No hooking and having to get the hook out of the fish's throat. <clears throat> what if fishing for people that Jesus calls us is, is more like catching? Right? Catching people who are falling 
People who are lonely, people who are depressed, people who are desperate, people who are hungry. What if we're just supposed to catch them so that they don't fall, that they don't fall into despair, that they don't fall into depression, that they don't fall in the hands of people who will hurt them, that they don't fall there? What if we went out to catch those who have, have fallen by the wayside, those who are in need of forgiveness and repentance, of justice and hope? In fulfilling our purpose, we don't need bait or hooks. I don't care. People say, oh, if you do this particular program, you have this particular ministry, da-da-da-da-da-da, people come. Uh-uh. That's a bait switch and a bait and hook. All we need are nets. Because our nets should consist of the love of Christ. The love that Christ has for us. And the love that Christ has for others. And if we are going out into the world sharing and showing that love, that will, that will catch people. That will catch their attention. That will catch people. Love catches a whole lot of stuff. Our nets are woven, you see, with mercy and God's amazing grace that can hold people, hold those who've been hurt, hold those who are filled with anger, hold those who live in fear, hold those from falling in all the ways that sin in this world tries to break our spirits and crush our to be caught in this net is to know that you are loved. Imagine if people know that they are loved. And not just loved, that they are the beloved of God. That there is nothing you can do. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That God won't love you. There's nothing. Do you know that people don't know that? They don't know their love like that. This net of love and grace and mercy tells people, holds people, and then tells them that, they, that new life is possible. You don't have to live the way you've always lived. New life is possible. Transformation is possible. People have told you you will never change, that you've always been, you're just like your daddy. You're, uh-uh. New life is possible. And people need to know. People need to see. The promised purpose to which we have been called is nothing short of amazing. Absolutely, positively amazing. And it's transformational. And if people can see and hear that you have been transformed, that you have been changed, that you went from where you used to be to now where God has brought you, then they start to think, well, maybe if you had it, if God did it for you, God can do it for me too. Then they have hope. They have hope. And y'all, we were made for this. We were made for this work. We were called to this work. We were made to do what God needs done in the world. And so we ought to be ready to not just go fishing, but let's go catching. Catching people with the love of God. In Jesus Christ. 
Amen. 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 And amen.